Thank you, PC. All right, all right, everybody. That's an exciting trip. Don't miss out on that one. So here we are, March 2020 already, March 2020, and we have declared that this year, 2020 at Christ Fellowship, is the year of miracles. Everybody say miracles. A miraculous year, all right? Not just this year, so it doesn't end on December 31st, but starting this year and then onward to bigger and better miracles as we continue throughout the years. So we have miracles in our mind. We have miracles in our heart. And we want to see the miracles happen. Who wants to see miracles happen? Anyone? That's right. You want to see miracles happen. So this month, though, and we kicked it off last week, this month is all about the experience of the miracle of giving. The miracle of giving. Now, Pastor Carlos kicked it off last week. We talked about it. We discussed some things, aspects about giving. But this today, today in our time together, I want us to really take a deep, deep dive, a deep exploration, a deep look into God's heart. Into God's heart. And it's not going to stop there, though. See, we're going to take a deep, deep look into God's heart and then we're going to take a deep, deep look into our heart with the hope that there's a match. If there's not a match, we got to find out why that is and what can we do about it. Will you join me today in that journey into God's heart? Or we're going to explore. We're going to take a careful look. We're going to get ready, and we're going to dive in. So I have a question for you to start off with this uh, little discussion today, right? So I'm going to ask the question. I want you to think about your answer. Then all I do is just turn to somebody and just tell them what your answer is. And here's the question. Ready? Is God generous? Think about it first. Think about it first. Is God generous? Now turn to someone and share your answer. So if your answer, if your answer was uh, a particular uh, three-letter word, which I uh, kind of heard most of the answers were, uh, the answer uh, the most I heard from here was yes. Right? So how many of you said yes? Raise your hand if you said yes. Okay, so that's uh, the majority of people here, all right? So you said yes, but really I think about it like this. Why did you say yes? Like really think about that. Why did you say yes? Or if you said something outside of yes, why did you say that answer? Is your answer to that question based on your current circumstances right here, right now? Is it based on your experiences? Is it based on your actions? What is it based on that you gave that answer? And the reason I'm asking this question, and it's for some of us, it might seem like a slam dunk, but if we're going to say that God is generous, and if that is the core of God's heart, then like I said, we have to ask the other side about our hearts as well. So think about this. If you said yes, and that's based on just circumstance, or based on certain amounts of something. You have to wonder yourself, is God's character changing based on your circumstances? Or, even more so, is your perception of God's character changing because of circumstances? Now, circumstances can be pretty wild. Because it, can only it could take something that you've never experienced before to rock your world. It really can. And even though you might have been walking with God for a long time, there could be something that happens that wasn't your fault that can just totally just, just, I mean, just nail you, just totally hurt you deep within your own heart to the point where it might even change you in a negative way. Now, some of you know what I'm talking about because I see heads nodding. 
Some of you know that there's certain things that happen that are really going to test you. Certain things that happen that are really going to just make you sit and think, what, what, what is this really about? What am I doing? But when we talk about things like giving, when we talk about things like generosity, you have to understand this is something that is deep, deep, deep within us that we have to ask ourselves, that we have to discuss, we have to think about, we have to study about, and we have to fellowship and discuss this about as well. Because the phrase I'm going to use for you right now is that a giving heart is a trusting heart. I'm going to say that again. A giving heart is a trusting heart. So a heart that gives is evidence of a heart that trusts. And like I said, we know that circumstances can make us waver a little bit from time to time. So let's get down to it. In the words of Rick Warren, the pastor who wrote The Purpose Driven Life, he said, the heart of the matter is always a matter of the heart. So we have to really think about it. So if we really think about this, when we talk about giving, right, you know, and we talked about it just now when we were giving our tithe and offering, that can be a huge challenge. Let's be honest, it really can be. And not only the financial part of it, oh, no, 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 not just the money part. I'm talking about total giving of all of you, of all of you. See, not just the money, but what about things like time? What about things like your possessions? What about things like, let's take it back to like, you know, kindergarten. What about sharing? Sharing is, sharing is caring, right? We teach children that all the time, but then as they grow up, we're like, hey, listen, listen, let me tell you the truth, all right? You can share, but don't share too much. See, now, it's funny because when we're children, we have this, like, total attitude of giving, but then as we grow up, we're like, well, you know, I don't have to give that, or I'll give based on my terms what I think is appropriate to give to somebody because I know best and I'm so wise and so smart. And also, you know, I don't think, like, you know, maybe they don't deserve it. Let's be honest, we've all been there. It's a huge challenge of giving. But like I said, a giving heart is a trusting heart. So think about it like this. Why is it so hard? Why is this a challenge? Why do we have a certain mindset that at least makes us like waver or have to like, you know, realign ourselves and say, well, no, no, that's, that's not good. I, I know what the right way is. Like, okay, let me, all right, you know, you might drag me and kicking and screaming, but like, all right, yeah, I'm going to give. All right, fine. You got me. What is that that drives that whole controversy, that whole conflict in our own hearts? What is it? Well, I'm going to tell you what it is. You see, our minds, and this is a big, big problem, but it is so, so slick. It's so subversive that you might not even know it's in you, but you might know that it's around you. And the problem is this, see, is that the way we see the world is not always the way that God sees the world. The way you and I see things is not always the way that God sees things. And when I say the world, I mean everything, everything. It's because we view the world as human beings, and this is from now until all the way thousands of years ago, we easily see the world through the lens of scarcity. Everybody say scarcity. We see the world through the lens of scarcity. And because of that, we are scarcity-minded. We have an awful tendency to be scarcity-minded. But the scarcity-minded, you got to be careful with that because it is an egregious offense to God. If we carry a scarcity mindset, it is an egregious offense to God himself that we carry the scarcity feeling in us. 
You see, the heart of scarcity, it's interesting because it breeds a lot of things. So when you talk about the scarcity mindset and what's deep, 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 deep in our hearts, you got to understand something. It comes out. Whatever's in you, it's going to come out eventually, all right? Jesus taught about that. He said it's not what the outside might look clean, but the inside is what's dirty. And it's only a matter of time before what's inside comes outside, all right? Or like he said at another time, what's done in the dark comes to the light. So it's only a matter of time before something's going to happen where that happens, where that is going to uh, come out. And it's funny because with the scarcity mindset, it, it, it breeds things in us. And when it comes out, we have to catch ourselves, and we have to think about why we did it, and also how we can be changed. So I have a heart over here I'm going to show you. This is the scarcity-minded heart, all right? Take a look. See, in our scarcity-minded heart, all these aspects will reveal themselves in time, in the scarcity mindset. See, a scarcity-minded heart and a scarcity-minded person these things are going to come out, all right? Because scarcity says certain things, all right? And I'm going to tell you what scarcity says, all right? Scarcity says, I don't have enough. I don't have enough. Have you ever felt like that? Be honest. Have you ever felt like you never, you just don't have enough? You just don't have enough. See, scarcity says that. I don't have enough. And the reason why you don't have enough is because scarcity says that there isn't enough. There just isn't. There's not enough for everybody. I know there's not enough for me, but I don't even know if there's enough for everybody as well. And then you know what scarcity ultimately says? Besides just, you know, I don't have enough, there isn't enough. You know why? It's because God hasn't given enough. That's what scarcity says. So all these things come out then. Think about it. Jealousy. You ever wanted what someone else has? You ever wanted it? Because you feel like, I, I, I should have that. I should have that. That should be for me. There's not enough of it, so I should have that. All right? How about impatience? You ever feel like there's just not enough? You just feel that, like, that, that itch inside of you, like, I just, oh, I just had to get this thing, or I just have to do this thing. It's like this impatience that's bruising in you. Oh, here's the easy one. Greed. That's an easy one to understand, right? This want. This, this want for something that typically is either not yours, it's either not yours, or you think you should have for whatever reason, which leads us to this middle one right here, all right? Covetousness, meaning coveting. Now, that's uh, if you've uh, ever been around church for a while, uh, you might have heard of something called the Ten Commandments. And uh, the last one is all of this is a little list about, like, coveting and, like, wanting what's your neighbor's when it's not yours, all right? This is scarcity-minded. Selfishness, hatred, bitterness. Man, why don't I have that? Why is that not going well for me? I deserve that. It should be mine. Or what about uh, this one down here? Violence. Violence. You see, it's funny because uh, you know that old little uh, saying where it's, uh, if you give a man a fish, he eats for a day. You know that one? But if you teach a man to fish, he eats for a lifetime, right? So you educate somebody they can, you know, do for themselves. But, uh, you know, the scarcity mindset says there's not enough fish in the pond. So uh, I'm not going to fish for a fish. I'm going to take your fish because I want it and I need it and there ain't enough for it. So I got to get mine for me and mine and you, oh, well. It's funny because we carry that in us. 
if we're honest. We carry that in us. We carry a scarcity mindset. But it's funny because we have to really think about it because is that the world that God made or is that the life that we've chosen to live? Is that a world that God's made? Has God literally made a world that says, hey, I limited things for human beings, so uh, y'all got to just duke it out with each other, and, uh, you know, I'll bless the winner. Is that God? Because we sometimes think of it like that. I got to hustle hard. I got to do this. I got to do that. And I'll sacrifice things to do it. I'll sacrifice time with my family. I'll sacrifice time for a coworker. I got I to I hustle hard, right? I'm in the rat race. Anybody feel like they're in the rat race sometimes? Just, just go and hustle, 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 all right? It's funny about the rat race because that's a matter of perspective because you're only in the rat race if you think you're a rat. You're only in the rat race if you think you're a rat. You're only the hamster on the wheel if you think you're a hamster. But if you think you're so much more, then you're not in the rat race. You know, I saw this uh, play out in real life uh, last weekend, actually, or two weeks ago. And uh, so, so uh, we went out to get something to eat, right? And let me tell you something. I was thinking about this, right, really thinking about this message about scarcity and, and things like that. And then, uh, you know, the, the trusting heart and giving and stuff like that. I was really thinking about this a lot. And then, you know, it's just so funny because when you, when you, like, ask God to, like, open your eyes so you can see things, like, you'll notice things that you never noticed before. You'll be like, oh, yeah, look at that. Oh, wow, you see that happen? Then, you know, turn to your spouse or whatever and be like, you know what, God, you know what, did you see that? Let me tell you what that, that is. I could testify on that. So we went out to eat, right, the fam. We went out to eat. And I went out to, uh, you know, a little spot on Route 22. Uh, you might have heard, it's called Chick-fil-A. Uh, you might have heard about that spot. And uh, those are, you probably know where the story's going, by the way, uh, in terms of what I witnessed in this place. So, um, you know, we're there. Now, if you've noticed that Route 22 uh, Chick-fil-A spot, it is packed. Except for Sunday. It is packed all the time. I mean, all the time. But you know what, though? Chick-fil-A, they are just so wise. Whoever's in that leadership position, because they got it down to, like, science. They're just, like, able to, you know, kind of get people through the drive through and stuff like that. I feel bad because there's, like, two other, like, restaurants there. And I'm like, man, like, everybody's taking their parking spot. I mean, I know I did. So it's, like, it's, it's tricky because, like, what, what like, <laughs> I feel like they sit at the counter and they look at Chick-fil-A like, man, look at that. You know? So, you know, I think it's, like, a pita place or something like that. And there's, you know, well, there's, like, a 7-Eleven. They're fine, I'm sure. But, um, you know, it's, it's there. So this time, I, I got to say, though, this time we went, I mean, it was more packed than, like, I've usually seen to the point where it's, like, you enter in, if you're going to, like, like the Route 22, like, the east part, you have to go into the Chick-fil-A uh, plaza or whatever, and then you have to, like, go all the way around, 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 and then go through the drive through where there's two lanes and people come out with, like, iPads, like, doing all the thing, right? That's, that's cool and stuff like that. But it's funny because, like, when you go into the entrance, like, the drive through is right there. And you're like, man, I have to go all the way around, come around, come around, come around, come around. So, you know, us being around, we're like, we ain't be for that. So we just got to park and go inside. So it's right. And that was, that, guess what? That line was all the way around. But, you know, it is what it is. So we're there, right? But then... We're in there, we're trying to, you know, get, get the kids out, right, taking the car seat, all that good stuff. And then, man, all of a sudden we hear yelling and screaming. I'm talking screaming, yelling, and some, you know, colorful language being shared. And Chick-fil-A! Not, I mean, not that it matters. Not that that part really, you know, makes a difference. But 
yelling and screaming, and I look over because I'm just like, just can't help myself. So I look over, and I look at what's going on, and I see this lady. She gets out of the car, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, here it is. And then she comes out of the car, and she starts knocking on the window of the car in front of her. I'm like, oh, man, we're about to go out of here. Like, about to put the, put the baby back in the car seat. Like, it's, it's like we're about to be out of here. And she's yelling and screaming and screaming and yelling and cursing at him and screaming and yelling. And it's funny, the guy didn't roll out his window. He just stared at her. So, you know, I mean, he, he did better than, than she did, in my opinion. But he just stood there, and then she, you know, she goes back to the car, and then she went back and yelled at him some more. I don't think he said anything, but, you know, she just had the rage going, right, after that. But it made me think, though, it's like, does, when we get in that situation, what, what, what do we think is going to happen? Like, do we really think, we think that, what, Chick-fil-A is going to run out of food? Like, what do we really think in that moment, right? Anytime you've been online waiting for something, do you feel like you're just not going to get there? Like, is that, is that, like, do you feel the agitation because the opportunity won't be there anymore to indulge in that wonderful chicken sandwich? I mean, what, or, or any time, do we feel like you're not going to get on the roller coaster? Do we feel like, like, why do we feel this, like, thing? Well, I'll tell you, it's scarcity mindset. It's a scarcity mindset. We feel like, oh, there's not enough, or it's going to run out, so I got to, I got to, I'll, I'll cut people, and I'll, cut people uh, to get that thing, double meaning, right? It's like, you know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to get in the line. I'm going to try to maybe, you know, shout out to someone else or something like that. Why can't we just wait? Why can't we just wait? Why can't we just be patient? There's enough. Why can't we just wait for that? Why do we have to be so hard-hearted, so scarcity-minded to the point where we just feel like there's just not enough? There's not enough. But again, is that the world that God made, or is that the life that we've chosen? And if that's the life we've chosen, why do we treat each other like that too? And I'm talking both out of the church and in-house in the church. Why do we feel like that there's just not enough? Because that right there, that's an, if we say that or if we believe that, that's an indictment on God's character. That not only is there not enough, but he hasn't given enough. He hasn't provided enough. So we can sing songs, and that's great. We can sing songs and these declarations, that's cool. But do we really, you know, in practical interactions, do we really believe that? Or do we have hatred, jealousy, greed? Are we, I mean, we're going to go so far as to just take it? Theft? Just take for ourselves? Are we going to go that far? We could. We could. Jesus told an interesting story, uh, and if you want to follow with me, uh, it's in Luke chapter 12. So Jesus uh, is going to tell a parable, right? So these parables are these story lessons that Jesus likes to tell, right? And uh, the point of these lessons is, is to really make you think about God's character, who God is, right? Just like how we were saying before, you know, you know, I am the way. So he's showing people through these stories what God is like. And this is Luke chapter 12. And you can actually stay there for a little bit because we're going to be there for a little bit for some other things too. And uh, check this out. So this is Luke chapter 12 starting at verse 16. So check, check this out. Let's, let's, let's focus on this one. Uh, and he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. All right, that, keep that word in mind, abundant. He thought to himself, hmm, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, be merry. 
But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded of you. Then who will get what you have prepared for just yourself? This is how it will be for whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Now, you got to keep in mind some of the details of this story, all right? So it wasn't like he's going, he's being, you know, in his mind he's wise. You know, just put my stuff away, right? You know, contain, you know, store up something. You know, this is a, a farming culture. you got to store something for the winter months. Like, you know, we, we can understand all that. But notice what Jesus is saying in this story is that his character that Jesus is making here is saying it was surplus grain. It was extra. It was more than what was needed And what did he do in this story? He tore down his barns and built bigger ones to store the extra. And now in his mind, he might think like, oh, man, like that was, yeah, that was, that was a smart, wise thing to do. Because, you know, you gotta, I got I to gotta hold on to it. I got to hoard it, essentially. I got I to gotta take, it, take it. Because it's not even that he would be able to use it. It's more. It's surplus. It's extra. So he hides it away, and he thinks like, oh, that's a wise idea, so now I can just chill out. But what does God say about that? God said, man, you're a fool. You're a straight-up fool for doing that. Your life is going to be gone like that tomorrow. And then all that grain, it's going to sit there. It's just going to sit there. And you'll have no use for it because you're dead. You have no use for it. You hustled. You did all these things. You built all this. And, but then tomorrow, boom, gone. Worth nothing, really. You fool, why didn't you give it away? Why didn't you give instead of being scarcity-minded? Why, why did you just hoard it away? Why didn't, you just, why didn't you just give the surplus? Why didn't you just give the excess? Why didn't you just give to someone who needs it? Because clearly in this parable, that man didn't. He didn't need it. He wanted it, and he kept it for himself. And Jesus is saying that attitude is wrong. And whoever does that, you're not doing the right thing because you are rich. You're not, you're not being rich towards God. See, the offense is not so much to the people that don't get the extra grain that they need. I mean, that's one offense. But the bigger offense is that that's not right in God's book. That's not right. It's not right in God's book because there's a clear sign that you do not trust God. You don't. You trust your own power, you trust your own uh, economics, you trust all these things, but you don't trust God. Because if you trusted God, you would be free to give it away. You would be free to just give it away. And you would just trust and know that it can be given to anyone in need. So scarcity says, like I said before, it says, I don't have enough. And I don't have enough because there isn't enough. And there isn't enough because God hasn't given enough. But is that right? Is that right? Well, it's not. See, God wants us to be like him. And in fact, if you're in Christ, if you've made a commitment to Christ, all right, you, through your life, as you pursue him, you are becoming who he is. You're becoming like him. So what is he like then? See, God is not scarcity-minded at all. At all. God is not scarcity-minded. God is not worried, but we certainly are sometimes. But if we're going to be the people that say we know God, can we really do that? Can we live like that? Can we worry like that? 
You see, the core issue is in here of our heart, all right? The core issue is in here because God's heart is different. God's heart isn't about any of this stuff here, none of it at all. This is not God's heart. It sometimes, many times, if we're honest with ourselves, is ours. Again, is that the world God has made? Or is that the life that we've chosen? You know, it's funny because uh, 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 Mohandas Gandhi, you might have heard that name before, right? Uh, Indian nationalist, all that stuff, uh, you know, nonviolent protest. Uh, he said something interesting. He said, uh, you know, the earth provides enough to satisfy every man's need, but not enough for every man's greed. There's enough for all of us, enough for our needs, but not enough if we're going to hoard it away, like in Jesus' parable, because then we're taken away from each other. So here's a story that uh, you might have heard before, and this is uh, Luke chapter 12. And we're going to get into this a little bit deeper, uh, starting verse 22. So right after this parable, Jesus says this. Now you might have heard this before, but let's really think about it. It says, Jesus said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, you're scarcity-minded? You're in the rat race? You feel like you don't have enough? You feel like just this world isn't provided for? You feel like there's not abundance? What does Jesus say to that? He says, don't worry about it. You don't think there's enough for you? You're struggling to make ends meet? You're struggling with needs? You don't think there's enough for you in this world? What is Jesus' counter to that? Don't worry. What world is Jesus living in? Don't worry? Don't worry? I mean, like, Jesus, come on now. Don't worry about your life? What, really, Jesus? Really? Don't worry about it? Don't worry. That's, that's, that's all you got to say. Don't worry about it. And, and mind you, back then, I mean, there's most of the population back then is living as farmers. They're living hand to mouth. So whatever you grow is what you eat. And then whatever's left is what you sell so you can buy more things to grow so you can eat. You get the cycle here. So for him to say, this is a bold statement. And it's a bold statement for us too. But this is what he says. He says, don't worry about your life, what you will eat, or your body, what you will wear. Oh, snap, Jesus. I don't know about that one. How many of you worry about what you wear? Be honest. Be honest. You know it. You know it. What you worry about what you wear? You got work tomorrow. What am I going to wear for work tomorrow? What's the, let me check the weather real quick. All right? You know, the, the, we worry about this stuff. Come on. And it's men and women too, all right? It's, I'm not, it's not about just like the ladies in here. Men, we, come on. Be honest with you too. Too. You see something, you're like, oh, yeah, I can get that right there. Yeah, I don't worry about this. But he says this. He says, don't worry about your body, what you will wear, for life is more than food. And the body is more than clothes. Then he uses some metaphor here. Check this out. Consider the ravens. They don't reap. They don't sow. They don't do farming. They have no storeroom or barn like he was just telling in his parable. And yet, and yet... God feeds them. They don't work for it, but God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than those birds? And who of you can, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? You know, it's so funny, man. It's so funny what worry does, what scarcity mindset does, because uh, we often fall into that too, worrying, worrying, worrying. And it's funny, because the time we used to worry could be the time we used to actually, like, do something, right? So they call that a... Uh, paralysis by analysis, where it's like you're just so, you know, thinking, 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 thinking. Next thing you know, time went by. You're like, oh, man, it's due right now. Oh, I got to go. Oh, no. 
It's so funny with that. And then he says this. He says, uh, how about worrying can add a single hour to your life. And since you cannot do this very thing, why do you worry about the rest? Why do you worry about this? Another example. Consider uh, the wildflowers, how they grow. They don't labor. They don't spin. Yet I tell you this, not even King Solomon himself in all of his splendor was dressed like this flower. Now, if you know the stories about King Solomon, my man was rich. He had money to spare. He was decked out in gold and all the good stuff. And Jesus says, yeah, compared to uh, this flower, Solomon ain't got nothing. Solomon ain't got nothing. He said, consider that they don't labor a spin. Yeah, Solomon, all his splendor wasn't dressed like one of these. And if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you? And this is the big, like, gets it in there. You of little faith. Or, or in another translation, saying, you who trust God so little. You who trust God so little. You worry. You think you don't have enough. You complain about it. You do these bad things. And what has that really gotten you? Where has that gotten you? Hmm? Where has it gotten you? Has it added anything to your life? Has worrying added time to your life? Maybe the most valuable thing of all. Has that added anything to your life? Have the clothes that you have, that you bought, and then years later you don't even use, has that added anything to your life? Or the food that, you know, it's great for that moment, but then, you know, the moment's over. It's, it's done. Was that really worth it? Was that worth all of it? Because Jesus is saying life is more than all of that stuff. It's more than all of that stuff. He says, don't set, uh, and you do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world, everyone else runs after these things, and your father knows you need them. He knows that. But seek his kingdom, and all these things will be given to you as well. Say these things. I'm talking about the needs, the needs that we have, the needs that we have. Yeah, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. I mean, the example Jesus used about birds I have some personal experience knowing that God provides for the birds. I'll tell you right now. You see, uh, it was a few years back, and uh, I was standing right outside our building over there, right outside the building, Elizabeth Ave. I was talking to uh, my buddy, uh, Alex Torado. Uh, you know, we all know Alex, cool dude. Uh, we were talking, chit-chatting, just hanging out, talking, this, that. And uh, all of a sudden, I heard a sound, and I felt something go like this on me. I felt it, and it was weird because I, I felt it, and then I was like, I, and, 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 I, and I looked down. I looked down. I was like, what, something fell on the floor, and then Alex looked down too. We were like looking at the, down at the, the sidewalk. We're like, what in the world is that? And then, uh, and then Alex goes, oh, and he points at me, and I went, what? He goes, you have something on you, something on you, you know, and he goes, I was like, what, what is it, he goes, it's, it's on your head, and it's on your shoulder, too, I was like, what is it, and then I saw it, I saw it right there, I, I couldn't see this part, obviously, I just saw, I saw it right there on my jacket, I was like, no, 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 I saw it right there, it was right there, and then I looked up, and you know what I saw, 
You know what I saw? I saw this. I saw it. And specifically, I saw the tail feather part. Just hanging out. The smoking gun, if you will. Just there. I looked up, I said, oh. And I, I well, I didn't open my mouth because, you know. Uh, but I was, I was like, whoa. And I stepped back and I saw it there. And let me tell you something, man. Let me tell you something. It was thick. I'll tell you right now, it was thick. That's just thick. That, that bird eating good. I'm telling you. And I think, if, if memory serves, I think, I think Ashley, his wife, was in the car. And I think she saw it too. Because I think, I remember, if I remember correctly, she came to me and was like, was like, was like oh, Ellie, I saw a bird pooped on you. I was like, yeah, I felt a bird pooped on me. Okay, I felt that. I, like, it was a pop, and then, you know, just pop, pop. It got me two times. It was just a two, it gave me a two-piece. It just got me, bang, bang. All right? And then I went to 7-Eleven, went to Powerball. No, I'm kidding. I that. <laughs> but, uh, just, you know, maybe I should have. Darn it. But, uh, you know, maybe I should have done that. But I'll tell you this. It's funny. I know it sounds weird. I can't believe I really told that story. That's so weird. Why did I tell that story? That's gross. Like, someone's like, now, when you walk out of here, just... Just, just go quickly to your car. Quickly, just go. go. Go to, like, the curb part. Don't, like, don't hug the side, all right, because that's where they like to get you. They're watching. They're watching right now. They're ready. They're ready for, we got a few hundred people. They're ready, like, who got that? That's why I don't park underneath, like, the, the, uh, the, the um, cables and stuff like that because, like, I've done it and, you know, got a nice little shower after that. But I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. It might sound gross. It might sound disgusting. But it is evidence it is evidence. We know that the birds eat. We know the flowers grow. We know the animals are provided for. And God is saying, how much more of value are you? If you don't see that in nature, which is a great lesson, you got to be paying attention more. Because God has provided a world since the beginning that has provided for all of our needs, all of our food, all of our shelter. But we as human beings, we refuse to give because we don't trust God. We feel like there's not enough. And we're going to just fight amongst ourselves for all all this stuff. That's not even worth anything because it's gone. Or you're gone. Like it said in the parable, your your life will be demanding you're staying. Who's going to get all that stuff? It's going to sit there and rot. And we see this all the time. And how many documentaries have you seen about, you know, athletes going broke? Millionaires right out of the gate. Small, not even 10 years later. Careers over, abandoned mansions. How many times have we seen that? How many seen some people who just stock up all these things and it's just not worth anything at the end? They're, they're not generous and they just, just, just hoard for themselves for status symbols. For status symbols. When all that could be gone tomorrow, easy. Are we thinking scarcity-minded? Are we thinking the counter to that, which is abundance-minded, which is the heart of God? See, the heart of God is different. It's very different. See, in the heart of God, there's different things, right? In the heart of God, there's fairness. There's kindness. There's caring. There's love, there's generosity, there's helping, there's being thankful. 
being thankful for what you have daily, what you have. You know, we say, it's been said for many, many years, count your blessings. Count them. When you pray, pray with thankfulness. Pray with a thank you first before you make your petitions to God because if you say your thank yous first, you might realize that that list of wants is going to get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller when you realize what you have and not only what you have, but God has provided for you because not only are your needs met, you have more than you think. You have more than you realize. But because we're so scarcity minded, we don't think we have anything. We compare ourselves to others and we say, ah, I'm not there. But God is saying, yes, you are. In me, yes, you are. Yes, you are. Because in this giving, trusting heart, there's boldness to give. How many times have you given something to somebody and a coworker or someone else goes, wow, that was really nice what you did? They see it. They're like, wow, that was, yeah, wow, that was good. That was really good. They see that boldness. And there's humility too because you don't got to broadcast it. Just do it. Just do it. There's giving, there's fairness, there's joy in it too. When you give something to someone that they need, that you give from what you have to what they need, and that thankfulness that they have, that fills your heart with joy. Because you've aligned your heart to God's heart. See, we're caught all the time in this tension. In this tension between this scarcity and this abundance. But let today be a day where we get rid of this and we move to this side. To this side here because our issue, our issue with God's abundance and God's provision and God's character, you see, here's the thing, is that it's a lack of understanding, a fundamental lack of understanding of grace, of grace. See, grace is not just the prayer you say before your food, all right? But there's a point to that as well. See, grace is God's constant provision, Constant provision, and it's available literally to everyone, but not everyone accepts it, and not everyone recognizes where it's from. That's the issue. You see, grace is all around us all the time. It's given. The sun rises is a sign of grace. That people get around safely is a sign of grace, especially here in New Jersey, all right? Everyone is under God's grace, but not everyone accepts God, the one who gives it, and that's the issue we find ourselves in. Because if you really are a person that you understand that there's grace, that you've been given so much, then giving to others shouldn't be an issue. See, uh, Randy Alcorn, he's a pastor out in um, Portland, Oregon, said this. He said, God's grace is like the lightning and our giving is the thunder. Just like thunder follows lightning, giving follows grace. It is possible to give without a deep understanding of God's grace it is impossible to have a deep understanding of grace and not give. See, if we say that God has provided, that means you can give. If you can make that claim and testimony and say, God has provided for me, then you're free to give. You are free to give. You're free to be a giver because you trust God's heart. And you know that God will cover all your needs because he said so. He said so. Do you trust him? Are you reaching out to him saying, God, thank you for that grace. Thank you for your provision. Thank you for your care. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your fairness. Thank you for your boldness to give to me. Me. Little me. Wretched me. Scarcity-minded me. That's the heart of God. 
It's the true heart of God. See, here's how to be abundance-minded. Here's one. I'll give you a few things you can write down that will make you understand to be abundance-minded. Number one is this. Now, I don't want to get too much uh, repetition out of uh, Joel's amazing tithe sermon that he gave. Uh, I just, when he went backstage, I was like, okay, I'm just going to reference you because that was really great. Uh, so one way is tithing. 10% of your income. Now, let me tell you this. I know some people might think that's the foolish thing you could do. 10% of your income to your local church. But that means that you're living on 90% of your income. And how many here can witness that that is more than enough? More than enough. More than enough. It is doable. It can be done. Tempered with wisdom, it can be done. But will it? And that's what keeps this whole thing going here. Christ fellowship. All that we're doing. Tithing, that's one. Number two, open your door. Open your door. See, we have plenty of space in our homes, in our apartments that we don't use, that we don't often use. Open your door. Have someone come in. Invite someone over. Invite someone over for a meal. Invite someone over to just to, to hang out. You have yard space? Invite someone over. Have them come through. Open your door because you have abundance and you have enough to share. Open your door. Open it up. Don't just stay locked in. Open it up. Ask your neighbors, hey, what are you doing later? I'd love to have you over. Why? Because I'm, this, I'm a Christian. I, I, I love you. I want you to experience what I know in God. Number three, give, give the gift. It's so funny, and I catch myself this all the time. You know, being in a community as we are, you know what people need. You know. Because we tell each other oftentimes. We know what people need. So instead of just listening to what they need, how about you give it to them? If you have... Give it to them. But, oh, you know, I know you need this. I, or I heard you say this. Hey, hey, here, I have this for you. Just give. Give it to them. Let them know that you love them by what you give to them. Let you know that just amongst ourselves even. Give the gift. Number four, write that letter. Write that letter. It's funny because when you get a letter, an email, a text of, like, love and encouragement, doesn't that, that just fills you up, don't it? That just fills you up. It could be a simple thing, too, like, hey, you got this. And I'm like, yes, I do got this. Thank you, encouraging person. It feels good. Let's do that. We have time. It doesn't take a long time to just send a simple message. It doesn't. It doesn't. We need to make time to do that. The simple thing to just, just write it out to them. Because it's, it's, it feels random, but it's so good. And then last but definitely not least, say that prayer. Again, connected to what I said before, we know in this community here, we know each other's needs. But are we praying for each other? Or are we praying for just ourselves? We know each other's needs. It's time to bring those needs, to intercede for your brother and sister, to say, God, I want you to provide for them. God, give them the wisdom to make these decisions. God, I know they have an interview tomorrow. God, I know it's a big day for them tomorrow. Pray for each other. Say that prayer. You have the time. There's abundance. Say it. Uh, Paul wrote to Timothy, his, uh, one of his main disciples, when Timothy was his own pastor, said this. In uh, 1 Timothy 6, 17 and 19, it said, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. <laughs> enjoyment. 
Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they, will, so they may take hold of life that is truly life. Truly life. So I have a question for you guys. Are you tired of the rat race? Are you tired of the scarcity mindset? Have you really touched the heart of God and known his grace? I mean, truly, have you thought about how he provides so much for all of us? But in that provision, there's a responsibility for you then to trust God and give. To trust God and give. I know some of us in here, we feel like there's not enough. We just hustle real hard. We feel like that's you know, we're gonna, on our own merit, on our own skill, we're going to just, just be able to do everything. But God is saying, don't worry about that. Just trust me. I know you got bills. I know you got worries. But those things, they can overwhelm you. They can choke you out. God's saying, will you trust me, though? Will you trust me? If I say to you, don't worry about it, will you trust me? If I say to you, don't worry about that, I got you. I got you. If you're worried about, oh, I don't know if I should give because then I might not have for me, God is saying, don't worry about it, I'll take care of you. You take care of them. Are you tired of running that rat race? Or you feel like you're just that hamster on the wheel that just is going nowhere? I mean, he's running, he's running, he's running. He's not going anywhere. See, today... We have to understand something that God has provided all of our needs, every single one of them. And because of that, we are free to give because a giving heart is a heart that trusts God. If you've been unsure about that, you've been wavering, or you feel like even you've been in Christ a long time, but newer circumstances have kind of distracted you away, whether it be at your job it can even be a positive thing because even if you're given more resources, the command is still to give. It's not put your hope in those things. So I wonder here this morning, who's committed? I truly wonder that. Who is committed? Who is committed to God? Who will come to this holy space and raise their hands and say, God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Help me to be like that. Help me to put trust in you. If that's you right now, even if you've been walking with God for a long time and you want to recommit or you want to say it, I invite you to come up right now with me because I need to pray this every day. I need to give. Who will come to this holy space right here, right now, and you can come with thankfulness too. Saying, God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your grace, God. And God, God, I'm sorry that I've just been letting it go. God, help me to trust you in a new way. Help me to say that prayer to that person. Help me to provide for that family member I know needs you. Help me to meet someone else's needs. Help me not to be selfish anymore, God. Help me not to just build bigger barns just to hold the extra. Help me to give it away. God has blessed you. 
God has blessed you with some new opportunities. God has blessed you with a new career. God has blessed you with a financial blessing. But you got to come up here now and say, God, my hands are up to you. Thank you, God. And some of you, you feel like you need God's grace. You're saying to me, Elliot, I just don't understand what this is about. I don't know what this is about, Elliot. I just just feel like I'm just just hustling hard. I'm not getting anywhere. Don't worry, God says. So if you want to let that burden of worry go, you need to come up here right now. Right now. If you want to let that burden go, all you got to do is come here now and raise your hands. And I'm going to invite pastors and leaders to come up and to guide some people in prayer if you could. God has provided richly for our enjoyment, but sometimes we feel like life is just too rough. And and God is saying, don't worry. Don't worry about those things. I will provide for you. I will provide for you. I will provide for you. You know why? Because I'm good. You know why? Because I'm loving. You know why? Because I am and I want to always be your father. And I'm a father who gives good gifts. I'm a father who gives great gifts. I'm a father who gives great gifts. I'm a father that tells you that it's not about having enough. I want to give you more than enough so that you can give. I want to pour out more, so much that you won't even be able to contain it to the fact that you have to give it away. Who will commit this day, this day, this day right now to say, I'm committing myself I'm accepting your grace, God. Thank you so much for your amazing grace, your wonderful grace, your powerful grace. Thank you so much, God, for your grace that you just pour out so much on me, little old me, poor me. Who will say, I want to be rich to you, God? I want to give to others. I know the suffering that's in my neighborhood. I know the suffering in my home country. I know the suffering that's around me. I know the suffering in my family. God, help me to give. Help me to give. Use me, God. Help me to give. I'm here, God. I'm here. I might not have much, but you say that's more than enough. I might not have much, God, by the world's view, but I have more than enough. And this is, I raised my hands. God said, this is what I have, God. This is what I have. Use it. Use me. This is what I have, God. Use me. It's abundance, and I trust you, God. I trust you. I trust you, God. I trust you. I trust you. And I'm going to give, God. I'm going to help. I'm going to give. I'm going to show love. I'm going to care. I'm going to show kindness. Yes. Yes, Lord. No one like him. No one like him, and you can't outgive him either because he just gives so richly. He's saying, Whatever you think is holding you back, whatever you think you've done, you think it's so bad, it's not. I can erase that real quick, and you're back in the game. That could be erased easily, and you're back at it because I want you. I want you to do my will. I want you to seek my will. I want you to seek my kingdom, and I will provide for all of your needs. Every Last one of them, do you trust me? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day, Lord God. Thank you for your grace, Lord. 
You know, we say grace, Lord, because over our food because we know you've provided the food on the table, Lord God. We know you've provided everything. You provided the clothes on our back. You provided the food on our table. You provided the job we have. You provided the family we have. God, we have nothing besides what you have given through your grace, Lord. We have nothing but what's been given to us. And we're thankful, God, and we say thank you, Lord. We say thank you. We say it right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And we have a thankful heart, God. And God, let us be not scarcity-minded, feeling like there's never enough, that you've provided enough. But let us be abundance-minded, God. Abundance-minded, saying that we're full of love, full of grace, full of helping, full of caring. God, may this community, Lord God, may Christ fellowship and beyond, Lord God, may all your people, Lord God, live a life of grace, Lord God, knowing that with that life comes trust, and to trust is to give, Lord. God, forgive us for storing up our excess and just hoarding it away, thinking that there's not enough that you've been given. God, forgive us for building bigger barns, Lord, and not giving it away. We know, God, as you said, our life could be demanded of us this very night. So, God, help, let us not just be selfish. Let us give, Lord God. Let us give, Lord God. Let us give, let us give, knowing that you will fill us up, Lord God, that you will provide so that we can give. Let's open our doors, Lord Let's say those prayers. Let's just open our lives up to you, Lord God. Let's give that word of encouragement, Lord God. Let's just do this, Lord God. Let's be about the business of you, Lord God. Let's be rich towards you, Lord God. Lord, thank you for this day, Lord. Thank you that we could be here, Lord God. Help us to have people alongside of us who can guide us in this wisdom, Lord God. Raise up people around us, Lord. God, we thank you, Lord. God, we love you, Lord. And we love you. And you first loved us. And you first loved us. God, with every hand lifted high, asking for your provision again, Lord, that we know we can ask in confidence, Lord God. And hands held high saying, thank you, Lord. Open hands, Lord, to receive and open hands to give. Lord, we thank you for this day, this time. May we go forth here with a new attitude, Lord God, a new mindset, your heart and your mindset, Lord God. And may the Lord be gracious to you. May he smile upon you. May he watch your coming and going, both now and all the days of your life. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God is good. And a giving heart is a heart that trusts him.